0: Father, you are exalted. You are high above all things. Um, You are exalted in this place above all other gods, above money and above sex and above control, above our appetites and ambitions. God, you are higher than these things, and we confess the ways that we have worshipped at other altars uh, even this week, and yet you come to us as high as you are, uh, gently and without judgment, after we have already judged ourselves. And so, we invite uh, the fullness of your presence and the fullness of your spirit here in this place. Um, God, truly, every generation from Tiny Luke on up, um, God, we exalt you in this place um, and exalt you and seek to exalt you in our lives. And so, interrupt us with your loving grace. Today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, okay, so kids are going to go back with Jenna. Hi, look at her wearing her name tag. Okay, they're going to go back with Jenna. Um, welcome to Regen this morning. My name is uh, Kyle, and I get to be the pastor here. And I'm going to do a scary thing. I'm going to do announcements, and uh, we're going to. I'm going to have my teleprompter, aka my wife Stephanie, kind of clue me in as we go. But uh, at Regen, we are uber passionate about interrupting people's lives with the love and grace of Jesus. And so everything that we do kind of points forward to that. All of our resources, every little moment of our life together is about Uh, Interrupting people's lives with his love and grace. And one of the ways that we do that every month um, is uh, with our check-ins. So if you have a smartphone and uh, open up your Facebook app and check in at Regen, we will uh, donate on your behalf to an awesome organization called Game Changers, right? Is it still? Use that hashtag. Um, The guy that leads that, his name is Mike Ingram. Mike Ingram actually helped launch Regen uh, way back at Regen.0. And uh, super thankful for him, and uh, Game Changers is a peer mentoring initiative that we think a lot about in Warren, so that's what's going on there. Uh, we often choose one thing to interrupt people's lives, love and grace of Jesus, and this summer really our one thing is our summer camp, and the reason I'm here late, um, and the reason why our worship team, at least Joey and Julia and Dolores, uh, there she is, have had a long morning is because we were in the midst, and Josiah, where's Josiah? Somewhere. Um, Josiah also, we, when we are a family of churches on mission in Warren. And so, um, we're one church in two locations And our Grace campus on the Northwest side. Um, we had our summer camp there this week. We're doing almost an identical version of that here in July. And we had, um, the biggest summer camp we've ever had at Grace. We had like 81 kids was our highest number, high seventies, low eighties throughout the week. And uh, so our worship team came down to help us lead worship. I'm moist in more than one way this morning, because when I went to go to the car, it started raining on me. But also we baptized three people uh, there this morning, so the bottom of my pants are wet, um, which was really cool. So it's been a really full day and a big family win. And so we're really excited to duplicate a couple of those things here this summer. We're going to be doing our summer camp, and um, the summer camp is Bible teaching, games, all that kind of stuff, but kids choose a, a track of their own choosing. So they can do soccer, they can do art, they can do basketball or strategy games. Strategy games is there because Kyle doesn't like outside, okay? And was like, I would totally play Settlers of Catan Jr. with some kids, so... Um, And all of those activities kind of point to Jesus, and so we're excited about that. We need some volunteers for that, and if you want to help out with that, you can talk to Steph. Uh, The dates are in your program, Um, and uh, it's just three nights, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's super exciting. Um, If you want to help us pump that, uh, there's going to be a group of us uh, walking in the Howland Fourth of July Parade. handing out frisbees with the regen logo and on the back would be the invitation to summer camp. Um, here's the trick. We need people to help with that and we also need a um, a pickup truck that people can sit in and and whip candy at kids heads. Um, well not whip it at their heads but throw candy to kids and then we'll be handing these out so in, yeah, interrupting people's lives with this whipped Tootsie Roll in the Love of Christ Jesus. Um, so if you have, like, a truck that we could use uh, and just put some banners on and sit in the back, also talk to Steph, and if you want to walk with us in the parade, that'd be super fun. I'm crossing, you get a t-shirt, and I'm crossing my fingers that we get behind the Vernon's truck because they hand out meatballs because then I was thinking, like, we can just keep eating the meatballs while we're going. Uh, so that's... That summer camp, that's 4th um, of July. And then two other things. Uh, every month we gather as a church and just eat in somebody's home. That's our feast, and that's going to be at Alex and Taylor's place. So uh, they live in Cortland, and their address is there. And plot twist, they have a pool. So, uh, you know, do your thing. Um, one other thing, on the last Sunday of this month, and I've been texting a lot of you about this. No, the last Sunday of next month, July... Uh, We're going to be doing baptisms and baby dedications. And so um, if you have not been baptized and would like to go public with that, please talk to me at some point. We have four, five baptisms, three, four, five dedications, and one reaffirmation of baptism. And in our tradition, reaffirmation of baptism is what we do when uh, you were perhaps baptized at an earlier season of your life, maybe even as a baby, And your faith has become more real to you. And so you want to respond by kind of reaffirming that covenant. It is not re-baptizing you. We do not re-baptize because that would mean God didn't get it right the first time. So we don't believe he can do that. So we must need to fix it on our end. Um, So if you're interested in that, that'll be on the 29th. And uh, also one other thing. Tonight is the start of the student circle for middle and high school students. So there's a bonfire at my house Uh, And our student circle is led by Rebecca and Aaron and Danny and Kat. And that will be rain or shine uh, because we love your students enough to let them be in our living room. And if they break anything, we can probably just buy another one at Hobby Lobby. So um, Steph thinks that's very rude. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of what's going on in the life of our church. We are – summer is going to kind of be – listen – People do their summer thing in church, I get that. I I do want to encourage you to be here as often as you can be here, perhaps even every week if you can manage that. But um, we live in flexibility, but buckle down for the fall uh, because we're going to walk into a a very different season as a church that I think is going to increase the challenge and increase our ways of uh, inviting our friends and family who don't know Jesus into our community and into our lives and into our family. Uh, So Danny the intern, the Dan-turn, has the pulpit this morning. Brought the fire last campus and did it rushed. So you don't need to rush today, which is nice. Um, so how about I just pray for you? Is that, a, does that mess you up? Come here. Um, we are wholeheartedly a 1,000% committed to investing in equipping the next generation. And so we're like, I mean, if you want to talk about what we talk about at staff meeting, it's like how do we keep investing further in kids' ministry? How do we keep making this happen? How do we figure out student ministry? How do we figure out equipping people to step into their call in the kingdom. So I'm going to pray for you, and then, all right. Um, Hey, Jesus, thanks for Dan, and for, um, like, his parents were at last campus, his uncle, his grandparents are here at this campus. Um, That I thank you for the legacy of faith uh, that he gets to be a part of. I thank you for the strongholds that could have been passed to him that weren't, spiritual strongholds that could have been passed him that weren't because of their faithful obedience day in and day out. I thank you for the way that he and Kat have been prayed for from the womb. And so, God, we add our prayers to theirs this morning as he opens your word to us. Um, God, help him to speak clearly, help it to pierce our hearts, um, and help us to follow you more faithfully, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: I think this is on.
0: Can you guys hear me? Okay, yeah, it
1: is on. Thank you, Kyle. That was very nice. Um, I'm just trying to remind myself now that I don't have to get through the message in seven minutes, like at the last one. In seven, uh, yeah, seven minutes. It still ended up going like 14 minutes long, so you guys get the whole thing, so good luck. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Kyle, for the kind introduction. Uh, Today I'm going to continue our series through Stranger Things. Uh, We're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and it may surprise you, but I kind of want to remind you what we've been learning for the past three weeks. That way we can reflect and see how God has been working in our lives, right? So first, we're learning that God's kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here and it's here through Jesus Christ, right? And and Jesus comes and he says, uh, this kingdom is not just for those who have their lives put together, not just for the religious elite, not just for uh, the people who have stable jobs or stable families, right? He says, uh, it's for the poor, it's for the meek, the ones who are seeking righteousness, the ones who are seeking justice, those who are hurting, those who are desperate, those who have broken families, those who have great need. Jesus says, congratulations, for the kingdom of heaven is for you right? It's this great news as he explains to us that there's not one person, not one person that can be counted out of this kingdom, right? Then we learn that as kingdom people, if you're a part of the kingdom, you, by nature of being a citizen of the kingdom, testify to the rest of the world that the kingdom is here, right? That was the light. Let your light shine before others. Salt the earth, right? And then Kyle did a great job last week explaining a hard passage, yeah, he did. You see? Even he knows. He knows it was fire. So, he did a great job uh, explaining how Jesus uh, did not come to abolish the law. He did not come to get rid of the law, everything in the Old Testament, but he came to fulfill it. Jesus says that everything in the Old Testament points to and is connected to him. He finds this, uh, and everything in the Old Testament finds its identity in Jesus. He gives it purpose. He gives it meaning. And with that, Kyle kind of taught us that, not kind of, he did teach us, that it's very important for us as Christians, for us as kingdom people, to get into our word on a weekly basis, right? To know what what scripture says, why what Jesus is saying now is so important, right? In our own personal lives. And he plugged an app called Read Scripture, and I used that this week. And guys, it is really, really good. So I really, 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 really hope you guys are able to get into the Word of God this next week, and we're able to in the last week. And that might help a little bit. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and get into this week. Uh, I want to remind you of some things Jesus said last week, right? He said he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then, um, when we're talking about the law, we're not just talking about, like, the law in the United States of America, right? We're talking about God giving his people a set of rules and regulations and standards that would set them apart from the rest of the world, right? God commanded uh, his people to obey these, and there's a ton of them, and it's most well known through like the Ten Commandments, right? Although there are a ton more laws like laws on sacrifices, laws on when you were clean and unclean, when you could be a part of the community, when you couldn't be a part of the community, what you could eat, what you couldn't eat, and it goes on and on and on. There's even a strange law like Kyle highlighted last week, you cannot cook uh, a goat in its mother's milk, right? That's something they had to obey everything. Right? And it's that law that Jesus says, I'm not coming to do with, away with, but I'm coming to fulfill it. Right? And he was so adamant about getting this across to his listeners of that day and us today. Right? He was so adamant about us that he did not want us to unhitch him from the Old Testament. He does not want us to unhitch him from the law. Right? It's all fulfilled in him and in fact to prove it Jesus says like but wait there's more right like all those infomercials that I know all of you have seen like 11 o'clock 12 o'clock at night sham wow right but but wait there's more if you order now in the next five minutes for just four small payments of $30 you get an extra large sham wow to clean your car right (laughs) Jesus kind of kind of he says but wait there's more I know you know the law I know you've heard what I'm about to say, but there is more to it, right? I said I've come to fulfill the law. I said that there needs to be a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes, and listen, there's more coming. Listen to what I'm about to say. And with that, let's go ahead and get into our passage today. I know I have a slide up there, but I didn't put the whole passage up there, so you guys are going to have to get into your Bibles. Uh, We're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. It's going to be... Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. Here's the first half of it. It says, You have heard it said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'd be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Okay? Now for those of you who are familiar with this passage, for those of you who have read it before, let's not let the familiarity of it lose its effect on us. Jesus is saying something absolutely mind-blowing. Right? It should cause us to think and say things like, okay Jesus, I understand like the murder part. Right? If someone kills somebody else, That makes perfect sense. Like, they took someone's life. Of course they, judgment from God, judgment from people, judgment from the court, that makes full sense. But you're really telling me, Jesus, you're really telling me that someone who gets angry, someone who gets a little bit mad, is liable to the same judgment as someone who flat out kills someone. And Jesus says, yes, that is what I'm telling you, right? This is, this is crazy. I want to focus, that, uh, focus on that for a moment. He says, uh, last he said he was fulfilling that law, right? And he says that he's looking for a righteousness. There needs to be a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right? And at that time, the law of God have, has kind of been distorted by the Pharisees and the scribes, right? They kind of flat in some weird way that they could 100% fully obtain, like, this righteousness, that they can get the law down right, that they can obtain that it was an attainable thing. All you had to do was my outward actions, had to reflect that of the law. So if I don't murder someone in this case, I'm not killing someone, right? I'm good. I'm obeying the law. I'm right. I'm righteous. Well, now Jesus is moving it inwardly, Right? He's moving a focus onto the heart, right? It's not just the person, outward actions that judge, judges them, right? It's the inward actions, at the inward thoughts of their heart and mind. Now Jesus ex- is explaining the true intent of the law. He is showing how far-reaching the law is. Now he's explaining those little uh, jots, right? The iotas, little parts of the law that he said to pay attention to. He's explaining what these are. So now... It's what a person feels in their heart and thinks in their head towards another person that makes them liable to judgment. And this would have been like new news to people of Jesus' day, right? Like we've heard that, we all hear this before, God knows our hearts and motives, and they kind of knew that too, right? They would say it, you see Psalms and stuff like that. But Jesus is, is correcting the law back to its true meaning here, right? It's not just outward focus. now and always, God is just not focused on what you do right? It's easy in this world to think of, like, this, this culture that we're in is, like, what are you doing, right? That's why, like, it's like, hi, my name's Daniel. Oh, what do you do for a living, right? We're so focused on what we do. It's so easy to be focused on what we do. God looks past that. He looks at, well, he doesn't look past that. He looks at that, but he looks even deeper than that, right? He looks at our hearts. He's judging people not by their, not just by their actions, but by their hearts. And so with that, Jesus says that even being angry with someone, makes them liable for judgment and that makes me a little bit scared should make you a little bit scared too because I've gotten angry before and I I'm pretty sure you've gotten angry before if not we'll come talk you have a lying problem Um, right and so and, and not only that but we kind of live in an angry world right like just turn on Twitter gosh I got rid of my Twitter for a reason People are angry in this world. They're angry with their professors. They're angry with their bosses. They're angry with politics. They're angry with each other. We have countries trying to nuke other countries, right? We have people killing other people. We see it in our own neighborhoods. We see divorce is so rampant through this country because of unforgiveness in people's hearts. We see broken families where children are... Abused because of the anger of their parents. We live in an angry culture, in an angry world. And so, in many ways, this condemns everyone. Not one of us can stand here and say that we've never been angry. Not one of us can stand here and say that, you know what, like I, I like a Pharisee, right? I can be righteous. He's getting at the fact that the real issue is the heart. He is pointing us to that righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees and the scribes, right? Right? He's pointing us to that, one that does not just focus on outward appearance, but one that starts within the heart. I want you to think of like a, a plastic apple, right? From the outside, it looks like a real apple. Everything that you look at and know about it, it's an apple, right? Sometimes you can even feel it, and you can be a little bit confused. But if you t- try to like take a bite of it, you, you, you understand that it's, no, it's just an image the inside is not the real thing, right? There's no core to it. Right? Christ is concerned with the core, right? He wants you to be a real apple. You can be doing things outwardly and your inside can be all out of whack. Jesus is concerned with your inside first. There needs to be a righteousness of the heart, not of just works. So here's the question. How do we change our hearts, right? How do we change our hearts? Well, honestly, I can't. I don't know if you can. If you can, please teach me, because I can't change my heart. Just like how I can't always change, I can change how I act on my anger, but a lot of times I can't really change my anger in a moment, right? It's just an emotion. It's there in a second. It comes up. Someone wronged me. Da! Uh, and that's why Jesus knew this, and that's why He says that He came to fulfill the law. Guys, there is good news. One of the things, one of the things that's easy to look past, right, is that there's good news here. Right, a lot of times we think like, oh man, like I get angry. Man, Danny is just like you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. You all need God, right? But it's really good news to us because Jesus says that He came to fulfill the law, right? And that's what Jesus did. He came to Earth. He lived perfectly. He obeyed every small marking of the law. Everything. And some of you might be thinking, like, well, well, don't you remember when Jesus got mad? Right? He went into the temple. He flipped over all the tables. He drove people out. Right? And that's because there is something that exists called a uh, righteous anger. Right? But with that being said, let's not all jump on the board of like, oh, well, that makes sense. That means my anger is always righteous because I'm always right, right? Let's not jump onto that because more times than, op- like more often than normal times, however you say that phrase, more often we do not have righteous anger, right? Christ had that in that time. And so let's focus on what, what Jesus is pointing us to and that is that he came to fulfill this law. He obeyed everything. So whose righteousness? What kind of righteousness do we need to enter the kingdom of heaven? What type of righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees? There should be a slide. Only Jesus's. Only Jesus's righteousness can. Not ours. Not your efforts. Only Jesus. And he knew that, and And you know what the great thing is? Is that dying on the cross, right? Jesus kind of did this thing where he took our punishment and his righteousness, what, what he deserved, right? Entering into the kingdom of heaven, that righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees, the thing that is completely unattainable to us, Jesus gives to us through his death. Right? So what you carry around is not your righteousness. You have Jesus' righteousness. If you don't believe me, I'm going to tell you to get into your Bibles again this week. Just read anything written by Paul. right? Anything written by him always points to Jesus. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Go through your Bible. Circle every time you see in Christ when Paul is speaking. Start with the first epistle. It's, it's crazy. And Jesus offers that to you freely. Jesus is concerned with your heart. He's concerned with my heart. And he wants you to know today. He wants to remind you today that it's his what he did for you, not for what you're doing for him, what you did for him. It's what he did for you that allows you to enter into the kingdom of God. However, does that mean once we accept Jesus Christ as like our savior, that we instantly like never get angry again? Right? I can tell you, no, I got angry yesterday. I will probably get angry like driving home today. Someone will pull out in front of me and I'll be like, ah, right? We, we still are humans. We still have this issue of like the, like the there, but we're not there yet, right? And so Jesus continues on. He continues through this passage to to kind of explain to us uh, that now as we have this status, if you're a kingdom person, if you are co-heirs with Christ, right? Now you have this responsibility to, 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 to live into that, to live into who you are, to, hint, to live into what you really are. So he gives us this next passage of scripture. He says, so if you're offering a gift at the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You see, Jesus knew that we wouldn't be perfect, right? But he's calling us to do these things. And uh, let's see. So, yeah, what Jesus is calling is the king of the kingdom, right? Jesus, the king of the kingdom, is calling all kingdom citizens, to now live as if the kingdom has already fully come and he goes to great lengths to show how we are to pursue kingdom living. It shows us two things, right? It benefits us in two ways. One, it benefits us as we conform to the image of Christ daily, right, as he continues to change us. And two, it testifies to the world that there's a, there is a kingdom coming, right? This upside down amazing kingdom and God loves them, right, right? It testifies to the world that this kingdom is here. And so quickly I want to go through these illustrations that Jesus gives. Right? First he says, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember your brother has something against you, go back. Be reconciled to him first, then come give your gift, right? And a lot of us can think that's easy. I don't well, there's not a oh, there is an altar up here, right? You see the altar here, right? You're like, okay, if I come up to the altar and I'm angry with someone, well, Okay, well then I'll just go back because that person I'm angry with is right over there. And I go over, not really, I'm not angry with any of you. Go over there, right? Make things right with the person, come back and, and offer your gift. But no, during that time, the travel to the city to offer a gift would have been weeks. A week if you were lucky, but weeks, right? And we're not talking car travel, we're not talking airplane, right? We're talking like walking with poorly made shoes, Days and days and days and days and days and days and days at a time to get there. And Jesus thinks reconciliation is so important. He thinks it's so important that he would really dare to say, leave your gift at the altar. Walk back. I don't care if it's three days. I don't care if it's four weeks. Go back first. Be reconciled and then come all the way back and offer your gift. Jesus thinks it's that important, right? Right? And and I want you to notice, he doesn't say, uh, if you are angry with your brother, right? He doesn't say, you know, come to the altar and then think, oh man, that person really just, I'm angry with them. I'm going to go all the way there. Tell them off. Tell them what they were doing wrong. Tell them how I'm right. Then I'm going to come back and then present my gift. No. He says, if your brother has something against you, not if you have something against your brother, right? He's calling us as people to kind of check our actions check our motives like every person that we could have possibly he's calling us to go back and be reconciled with them and in his second illustration he has this whole talking about going you know uh, with your accuser to court first you know you